Welcome to Monday. Welcome to Sticky Learning Lunches. Welcome to the first day of the week. We are going to be diving back into the category management funnel with Andy Palmer and myself, Nathan Simmons. We're just going to give it 30 seconds while we wait for the last people to arrive in the room and then we are going to crack on with part three of this funnel. Let's just give us a moment to make sure everyone's here. Let's get everyone set up for success right now. First of all, before we get into introductions and, and the recaps, mobile phones, let's make sure they're on flight mode. Let's zero out the distraction and get 100% attention on what it is we're doing right here in this investment in ourselves and the businesses that we love and work in. Secondly, making sure that we've got our hydration in place making sure we're staying hydrated, keeping the brain lubricated, uh, and making sure that we're just looking after ourselves. Temperature's supposed to be going up here again. Let's make sure we're looking after ourselves physically so we can um, increase what we're doing mentally. Set third part to this then is fresh page, fresh thinking. We're gonna be covering some new ideas that potentially you haven't seen before that may be there to support you invigorating what it is you do inside your business and this page is going to be those things that you want to remember so whether it's things that Andy says or questions that I ask or questions or ideas that we share with each other in this group that we want to take a note of that so that we can go back and remind ourselves and remember what it is by rereading these ideas that just helps take our thinking up another level and keeps that learning sticky which is the whole idea of MBM. Ready for this Andy? Ready, Nathan. Good. So, <laughs> welcome to today's Sticky Learning Lunch with me, Nathan Simmons, Senior Leadership Coach and Trainer for MBM. Also joined by Andy Palmer, expert in category management, is going to be delivering part three of today's session. We are the leadership development and soft skills provider to the grocery and manufacturing industry, MBM, making business matter. And it's all about making that learning stick, as I said earlier. Andy, day three, all yours. Where are we going to next? Thank you, Nathan. Roy, as you said, we're going to go stage three, which is getting into the crux of understanding our supermarket or our channel or whatever route to market that we've got. So brief recap on what we covered at the back end of last week. Came in at the top of the funnel, talking about agreeing targets where we looked at this stuff around here, weight of purchase, frequency of purchase, penetration, selecting the target that you can focus all your efforts and resources and time into achieving. From there, we then came down into Thursday and we talked about understanding your shopper. Exploded that apart and started talking about shopper, preparers and eaters, those three very distinct groups with a nice overlap. And again, more better understanding how we can use things like pen portraits or purchases and hierarchies to get into the crux of what their motivations are, what their barriers are. Today, we're continuing down and stage three, we are looking at knowing your supermarket or knowing your channel, depending upon the market you're in. So, this one kind of on face value is pretty uh, almost self-explanatory uh, the bit i want to just try and take thinking a little bit further that actually if you've got um uh, if you've got uh, uh, an alignment of the recommendations that you want to make and you're not getting them over the line um it's about making sure that you understand your your supermarket as well as you can that you're then making recommendations that are aligned with their thinking and that's in line with the buyers kpis to, to ensure that you're just setting yourself up for success. We've seen it so many times that we've seen uh, suppliers going in and they're making recommendations that suit their business. Sometimes they suits the uh, the customer, shopper, the preparer, the eater, but what they're not doing is fitting perfectly with that 
corporate requirement or that need that the buyer has. And the buyer, when we're talking about the buyer, we're talking about the person sat in the retailer's head office making the decisions, responsible for these purchasing decisions. So all of the recommendations we want to we want to make sure they're absolutely aligned with what they need. Now, what in reality does that look like? it looks like you guys more better understanding their needs so the needs of the buyer and we can come at that from um, their personal point of view by understanding what their targets and their goals are for their categories that they own and at the same time more better understanding um, the corporate requirements so we look at uh, corporate social responsibility we can look at the retailers overall vision or overall strategy that way when we're then coming down we're making our recommendations to absolutely fit with what works for them. Um, I've seen this before where a supplier was trying to drive, um, they're trying to drive spend into the category, they're trying to trade people up and move them up through various tiers, trying to expand weight of purchase, weight of consumption, and all the recommendations were aligned to achieving that. That was their target. The challenge that they had was that the supermarket was trying to really push through a period of value for money. They were trying to almost kind of position themselves in the market that they had good value for money and actually how they were trying to set up and manage their their particular area was looking to achieve those things so in one hand we've got let's drive value for money in the other hand we've got the supplier trying to drive spend and as you can imagine there was a conflict as the suppliers were coming in or the supplier was coming in and making their presentations and their recommendations it was no no, doesn't work, not gonna work for us right now, maybe one for the future, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You may have experienced these kind of, these pushbacks and these challenges. You can more, I guess, more get yourself set nicely by making sure that you know what the buyer's requirements are, what the retailer's requirements are. Once you've got that, then you're, you're, you're making recommendations that just align perfectly with, the, uh, with their, category, um, their category requirements. How can you do that? It's reasonably straightforward. This isn't a massive complicated part of the funnel. It goes without saying that you're gonna be attending conferences, whether that's uh, ones run by the, the retailer or run by someone like the IGD who do some superb conferences each year to get really into the importance of that particular retailer strategy. You could do something very, very pragmatic and set up something like Google Alerts, where every day or every week, you could dictate this yourself, every day or every week, you would get an alert come through to your inbox, giving you the most up-to-date relevant news that's coming out of them. So is there issuing press releases and they're making statements in the, uh, in the media to the city or what have you, you can ensure you're at the absolute forefront of that. Likewise, in the UK, we've got something called Cam City, where we get key account management news um, that's collated from various different data sources. And again, you can have something like that delivered to your inbox so you're absolutely at the forefront of knowing what's going on out there. Again, what's going on out there? It's down to you as well. Can you get out to store more often? Can you challenge your colleagues to become the eyes and the ears on the high street so you can see what's going on, see what's happening in other categories and get a feel for the things that are moving for you to then say, actually, that's gonna work with us. And then it's about those discussions with the buyer around here's what we're suggesting, here's why we're suggesting it, here's the background uh, data to back it up. And we know it's aligned with your strategy because we're listening. Once you've got that, your credibility goes through the roof. The buyer knows you're there and you've aligned yourself nicely with their requirements. So, uh, Nathan, is that making sense so far? I'm just kind of uh, appreciate scratching the surface as ever with our half hour that we have. Yeah, it, it, for me, it's making absolute sense. I guess the key thing to take it into, and I'm already coming up with some ideas and concepts in my head, but you now, have you got any examples of 
where this understanding has had a significant impact on a change when delivering to a supermarket. Yeah, um, I mean, it's something I want to get into. So yes is the, the short answer. The slightly longer answer is something I'm really looking forward to covering on Thursday when we get into understanding credibility. And it's those suppliers that are going in with that stuff in their head and able to articulate it, that they understand the shopper, they understand the supermarket, their credibility is absolutely through the roof. And the buyer's going, do you know what? You are the guys I'm going to listen to. So I'm going to sort of fudge it and say, yes, I've got a brilliant example. Let's talk about it more um, in the next couple of days because it's just going to be the most appropriate time to, uh, to expand on that. It's all going to be about credibility. Amazing. And the thing is, it links back to some of those conversations that I've been having around negotiation skills. Uh, coming back to some of the sales stuff that we looked at with Jeff Birch in previous sessions as well, is you don't need to have lots of data. You don't need to have lots of information. You maybe need to have two or three of the really high level things and understand what's important to the person that you're talking to when you're going in to have that conversation. And okay, I've got these points of reference for the buyer, for the supermarket. I've got these points of reference for the shopper, the preparer, and the eater. And I'm starting to fall in love with what's important and the, the, the problems for each of those individuals. And I'm creating an opportunity or a product based on that that solves all the issues for all these people. Absolutely. I'm going to send a little bit of my content um, uh, for, for later on in the week, but it just feels really now appropriate to drop this one in. We've all done it. Um, and I know I used to, and I still see a lot of suppliers doing it now where they, they're rolling in with their PowerPoint decks and they've got 120 slides with 50 or 60 recommendations and they've worked hard they've lovingly crafted and created all of this stuff what they're ultimately trying to do is get the buyer to take on just some of those 50 or 60 great things that they've got whereas actually maybe sometimes less and absolutely true less is absolutely more they go in with seven killer recommendations with all the supporting information they are far more likely to get some of that stuff over the line than an absolute mass of stuff and especially when you're going in and you're going, oh, we've got an hour to present this. We've got 120 slides. The reality is you've got 45 minutes max. Buyer's running late. He's got to get off to the next meeting. You're doing the niceties, the top and tail stuff at the beginning of the meeting. You may have 30 minutes to present. 30 minutes, that's a maximum of 10 slides. You've got to work on a maximum of three to four minutes per slide. And suddenly you've got to get 10 slides and they've got to be absolute killer ones. So to that point, I'm going to share this one with you because it's a really... Um, powerful way of presenting your recommendation. So, uh, simple three columns. Um, you headline these, observation, insight, recommendation. So, what you're doing here really nicely is telling them what the observation is. You, you've got your charts, your tables, you've got your supporting evidence. Just realize my head's just kind of nicely in the way there. You've got your charts and your tables and your graphs. That's where you're going to get your observational stuff. Market shares doing this, market shares doing that, penetrations up, penetrations down. Just the pure observation stuff. Then we come into the insight. The insight based off the previous observation. The reason why penetration is up. The reason why market share is down. Got our observation. We've got our insights that we're then drawing from that. And then we've got our recommendation that we're making off the back of our insight. And our recommendation is we suggest uh, three new promotions that are going to drive X amount of additional sales to achieve us. So putting under the heading of observation, insight and recommendation can just allow the audience, whoever that person is or group of people is, to quite clearly and quickly see the stages that you're taking 
um, the process that you went through right through to, hey, I get the recommendation because I've got the backup behind it. Does that make sense? Absolutely does. And like you say, you've got a very small amount of time to have this conversation. So your, your, your background research needs to be really on point. And I don't think people do this enough. It's whether you're going for a job interview, you're having, you know, you've been introduced to someone or you're going in to see a prospective buyer, is spending the appropriate amount of time to actually go and find out about that individual, to find out about that organisation and go, this is what's important to these people. These are the things, these are the solutions, the elements that are coming out of that. Okay, let's align those things and get as close to the mark as possible to make sure we're triggering the right reactions and responses. Absolutely. We've got to get in the buyer's head, both the buyer sat in their head office and what often people refer to as the buyer, which is us, shopping trolleys and baskets, get into their heads, get into their hearts, understand what their motivations are, understand what their barriers are. Then we can look to break down those barriers, capitalise on those uh, motivations uh, and do some really smart stuff off the back of it. Um, it's about taking all those various data sources, mention conferences, mention Google alerts, newses, press releases. There's a whole host of appropriate information, almost too much information out there. We're going to pick the right ones and use them really, really well. I've not really thought about Google alerts and how they work or how they operate. And I guess in this world of SEO and what we're doing, headline, how do they work? What do they do for us? Sure. So Google, as we know, um, knows everything. It's the all-knowing uh, answer to pretty much all of our questions all of the time. One of the services that Google offers, and for free, uh, is something called Google Alerts, just literally Google that, Google Alerts. Use that to monitor the web for you. So you can put in um, various different uh, catch points here. I could put in Tesco's or Sainsbury's or Spa or who, whoever that may be, Woolworths, it doesn't really matter. You put those in, you then set the frequency, so I say I want to get an alert at 11 o'clock every weekday. As that news is hitting the world, um, Google grabs it for you, puts it into a succinct email, various links, and, and delivers straight to your inbox. So you may choose to get it delivered weekly, or you may choose to get it delivered monthly, or you may choose to get it delivered daily, but it's just a fantastic source of knowledge of things that you want. So I've got a bunch set up for the key clients that I work with. I want to work and understand my clients needs and what they've got going on so as they're making press releases i want to be aware of that so when i'm on the phone to them i can talk intelligently about them likewise similar alerts set up for the major multiples in the uk so i can be stay abreast of what's going on with with those guys and especially in an ever-changing world right now it's absolutely important to be on the forefront of that so as we're making our recommendations they're aligned with what they've got going on their challenges and, and their uh, their positions so simply put uh, Google Google Alerts, um, and it'll take you through a very simple setup uh, stage to, to get that. All you need is a, kind of a Google account just to, to make that happen. Nice, and I guess if you are working with individual clients, uh, depending where you are kind of in the grocery manufacturing industries, you're going to have a certain handful of key clients and understanding what's important to them. And actually, if you do get a press release or there's a news update about share prices or about a situation that's going on, it lets you know Okay, actually you can contact that person and say, I've just seen this. Okay, what support can we give you to support them? And vice versa, actually, if you see there's something detrimental happening here, that you can already report that information into your managers and into your leaders to say, look, I'm aware of this. I don't know what this looks like. You may want to have a conversation with said so-and-so's, you know, uh, regional director or whatever. So absolutely. And it is just that. And it's about having those intelligent conversations. The buyer is not and hasn't got the time to volunteer 
all that information to you. So it becomes about really appropriate uh, understanding what's going on uh, and then um, appropriate questioning and discussion to help you work in partnership with them to achieve um, what's right for the category. Absolutely. And then it's about incorporating and looking at the promotions that are going to fit to that category. And then doing the leg one of the, the mental legwork. So actually, I'm, I'm saying it because my brain's going in this direction. It is, it's often easier when you're talking to someone that is a buyer, that is a client of some respect. It's the product provider and the service provider's responsibility to take as much of the legwork out of that as possible for the individual just to say yes. It's the same with the job interview. I go there and what my job is, is to give every, give that individual all the relevant information which goes, yes, 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 yes. Oh, I've got a job here. Oh, it's yours. Yes, there you go. And it's the same when you're selling a product or a service is we're taking all of that legwork out of it and making it easier for them to go, that promotion is really interesting to us. It's really interesting to our customers. Please put it here at the front of the shop. Absolutely. And so often we see it with the fantastic suppliers with fantastic products and they sit there and they say, Andy, do you know what? As soon as the buyer tells us what directions to take our products in this category forward, we will make it happen. I want to mention this the other day. The reality is they want you to tell them what direction you need to be taking it. And picking up on promotions, um, as you mentioned there, promotions are such a key area to driving any category if used appropriately. Now, they're not a blunt tool just to drive volume, although it's often used that way to clear excess stock or excess flushes in fresh products. It should be there to achieve something more strategic. Um, something that, again, I could probably spend the next two or three hours on, and I appreciate we've probably got about another 10, 15 minutes left. But actually, if we get our, we class it as wrap, range, availability, and promotions right, where you know what that's where eighty percent of our opportunity is going to come from. Um, let, let me share this, um, see if it resonates with you. So when we're talking about promotional planning, we need to have a plan that we can articulate the strategy behind it. It's not about running the same promotions that we ran this time last year, just because we're worried about seeing a dip in market share and we don't want to experience that year on year position. It's about having, I don't like using the word because I think it's overly used, but it's about having a strategy for your promotion. What's it going to achieve? That comes back to our target. Once we've got our target, we can align things like our promotional plans to, to achieve it. So this is called um, the promotional staircase. I've just come up with the name. Where you want to get to is an increase in the amount of buyers you've got in your category. You want to appropriately move them up this staircase. So you take the current amount of buyers and you want to end up with more buyers, as an example. How are you going to do that? You've got um, a number of options. Here's three absolutely key ones. And, and this is a tried and, trusted, tried and tested method. First place you would start would be by running what clusters traffic building promotions. Now fit that into my bubble. So they're traffic building promotions. If you angle your head, you can read it. But they're traffic building promotions. They're promotions that you would initially run that you would look to uh, attract new shoppers, uh, reattract lap shoppers. Um, and it's about reducing the risk from purchase. So this works particularly well from new product development, but it can also work on a more longer term um, viewpoint from kind of existing products. But ultimately, we're gonna run traffic building promotions. What are traffic building promotions, Andy? Promotions that reduce the risk to purchase. So they're typically on money off. Um, it could be a save 50p or a save a pound. Something that reduces the risk and encourages that trial or encourages that uh, new purchase. You run 
of traffic building information and then appropriate an appropriate amount of time later you would then run something called a transaction build information transaction building transaction building will be looking to expand consumption looking to expand the amount of spends on that particular product or, or product area so this could be a two for a price uh, promotion two for five pounds two for ten pounds three for ten pounds those kind of things and typical kind of multi-buy activities being careful not to uh, overdo those Frankly, shoppers get them spending more and then move them into rewarding loyalty. So this is about loyalty up here. And these type of promotions could be uh, something that offers something for free, 33% off or 33% uh, bigger pack, better value. But what we're doing is getting new shoppers, getting them to spend more and then rewarding their loyalty and then repeating this cycle. And the point of doing this and showing this to a buyer is because what you're looking to do is demonstrate that you've got a process and a strategy behind your promotional planning. What we're looking to do is increase penetration whilst maintaining frequency of spend and we're ultimately looking to attract more buyers by moving them through this process. Um, one category that does this really really well, uh, without mentioning any names, there's um, uh, a premium concentrate of squash um, out there on the market so you can buy your orange squash or your apple squash and you're adding water to it um, and there's a couple of premium areas out there. Now the premium areas are more uh, liked by kids because of their very sticky, very, very sweet flavor. Um, so when I'm pushing my trolley around and the kids are going, ah, oh, dad, can you not buy us the, um, the very basic orange juice? Can you buy us that one there, please? And I look at it and go, oh, it's on offer. Save a pound, I'm gonna grab a bottle of that. Come home, dad's a hero. Thanks for getting that juice, that's great. A Couple of weeks later, I'm in the shop. Suddenly that product's on two for three quid. Well, I'm gonna grab two of those, put them in my trolley. Go home. Hey kids, two bottles this week. A few weeks later, 33% extra free. Well, I'm getting something for free. I'm having that as well, taking it home. Before I know it, I'm, this cycle is run. And before I know it, it's now become one of my purchases. It's on my favorite favorites list if I'm shopping online. It's in the back of my head saying it's just the product I now buy. And I don't look at other products because that is now just become something that I buy, both on promotion and off promotion, they've managed to bring me into that category, get a much higher level of brand awareness, generated the loyalty that I just buy it, buy it all the time. Let me pause for a second. Is that making sense, Nathan, to you? And maybe if others uh, need uh, kind of a, another run of that? I, it, it makes sense to me. And I mean, we're, I'm aware it's 22 minutes past. I've got one more question that is coming up out of that. Any questions that are coming up? We got a yes from Fiona. Thank you, Fiona. Good to see you all in here, by the way. Colin, Fiona, uh, Fabian, Tim, great to see you. Jim, thank you very much for being here. Really appreciate it. it. And if any questions are coming up, fire them into the question box and I'll fire them into Andy as well. The question for me then is, we, you know, we're starting to habitualize, and I'm not sure that's a word, but I'm going to stick with it. No, we, we, we're creating that, we're forming a habit of that product being part of our life as part of the uh, the, the eater and the preparer's life and then it becomes the shopper's life great we're, we're kind of that uh, graduated commitment that we're getting from each of the three core elements of of the household what are the key barriers though that are going to then stop um or, or barriers and motivations for the buyer what are the, what are the things that are going to stop them doing that stop them from buying something they've always habitually brought or well, you know potentially stop them from getting into that habit along that journey where we take them from traffic to, you know, into those next stages 
Yeah. And I guess this is the danger of um, a category that comes, sticking with the subject of promotions for a minute, the danger of a category coming promotionally led. So as one brand's promoting theirs and another brand's promoting theirs the week later and their own label are promoting, all we're effectively doing is just moving sales around. Um, so why this model on face value is reasonably straightforward and easy to understand, more importantly, great to communicate the rationale behind your plan. It's got to have a much wider understanding of the total category. We can't just promote in isolation because all we're doing is moving sales around. We're not generating that uh, brand loyalty and we're just creating um, uh, shoppers who will um, just jump around between promotions. Um, that, that's not good for them uh, and it's, it's not good for the suppliers and the retailers that are out there. So we need to take a, let's call it a holistic view to promotional planning, that it's not done at skew or product level, it's done at maybe category or subcategory level and it has an overall target and, and helps take shoppers on that, that journey. Does that start to answer your question? Yeah, it does. And actually, it got me thinking about with some of my history previously in the financial sector, looking at banking, it's exactly the same thing, actually. When you're looking at the products of a credit card or a mortgage or a savings account, you know, you find people jumping from one company to next, especially in ISA season. And it's like, okay, where's the best thing for my ISA? Okay, actually, is it to do with product loyalty and brand loyalty? Not really. It's to do with the best rates. And you just find people jumping from one promotion to another. So as you're saying it there, yes, you want credibility like traffic. Yes, you want credibility. Yes, you want that loyalty. Well, actually, how do you make that brand and that product integral to that person's um, lifestyle? So it becomes a trusted brand. You know, it's no like and trust element where actually I'll go back and I will pay full price for that because it means something to me now. Yeah, absolutely. I think we saw this um, many, many years ago with shower gels as one example category, where it was always being promoted really, really heavily. It was back in the days of buy one, get one free and buy one, get two free and all of that sort of craziness that was going on. And we'd, we'd have bathroom cabinets full of shower gel because we go in there and just, oh, this week I'm going to buy that brand. Next week I'm going to buy that brand. Next week I'm going to buy that brand. Um, so pretty much brand loyalty kind of almost disappeared by that particular category. Um, wine's another category. We typically shop by the 12 by 4 barkers. What's on offer this week? Um, but that's not, it's not a sustainable way of, of growing true category sales. Um, we've got to make sure we're not over-promoting. If we are promoting, there's uh, some rationale and thought behind it. Um, and at the same time, being mindful of our shoppers out there. Uh, it's, it's us. We're going to look in our, our kitchen cupboards or our bathroom cupboards now. We we'll see those brands that we're loyal to, uh, loyal to and we also see those ones that we maybe dip in and out of, um, depending upon uh, the incentives they provide us to shop. Mm. It just reminded me, my mum, when that first thing started happening, we had, we had about 27 bottles of Sanex shower gel or something yeah. in the bottom of the dirty washing bin. And it's just like, because there was so many bottles, you didn't have anywhere to store it. But like you say, it's not loyalty, you're just doing it because it's a pound off and you're saving £25 over the course of six months or something ridiculous on your shower gel. Absolutely. And as shoppers, we're quite promiscuous. You know, we're happy to jump around. Um, and yet at the same time, we do know about, we do know the things that we like and love and we have a, a kind of a brand allegiance to. Um, it, just making sure we truly understand at individual category level what that looks like. Uh, what, that, what that looks like. Brilliant. I'm going to ask a question to everyone. You know, well, what que what's been useful from today's session and what questions have you got for Randy and myself today? While those questions are coming through, and if there isn't any, just say no. I'm quite no, we're quite comfortable. If you haven't got any questions, say no, just so I know that we're not waiting for anything to come through. 
there's something else that Andy shared with me, which I want to share with yourselves as well, and that's looking at the promotional planner. Um, and I just probably wanted to give a, a clear lead to that, Andy. Do you want to talk us through the promotional planner that you shared with me? And I'll share yeah, it on the screen. So I appreciate I've very briefly talked about transaction building and traffic building promotions and logs promotions. So we've got a matrix uh, that Nathan's just going to put up on screen in a moment. Um, it's not a definitive list um, and there's some very old school promotional mechanics in there, but it just um, can help you to more better understand what kind of promotions sit under what particular area. Nathan, you chuck that up on full screen for us. Um, Bear with, I'll get that done now. Hold on. Oh, no, I get the wrong button. There we, there we go. There we go. Okay. Um, so, bunch of columns got our transaction building promotions, traffic building promotions, loyalty promotions, consumer protection, um, and, and there's kind of some image enhancing type mechanics in there. You can look at those promotions that are in there, and as I said, not a definitive list, just more there as a concept, more there for the example to help you see the difference between each. Once you've got them, you can then select the type of mechanic or one that will fits with your particular area um, and you can have a rationale that sits behind it so if anyone's interested in seeing um, or getting a copy of that matrix um, just type matrix uh, in the question box and we'll get that sent over to you afterwards um, but, but it's there just to help provide that thought and that rationale behind the promotional planning as opposed to what typically happens is why are we doing that promotion next week what we did last year so we must do it again it's not right Good, 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 good. So I'll just put, as you were saying that, I'll just put a comment in there saying, um, you know, just let us know and we'll send this out to you by email. And uh, Colin said, yes, he'd like this, so we'll send this out to Colin. Fiona, good refresher. Or oh, this is a comment from Fiona, no, good refresher. Thank you, glad it's hitting the mark and keeping your thinking going in the right direction. Yeah. You know, the idea is we want to share ideas, concepts that are going to help you get the best out of your category, that are going to help you, you know, it's not even squeezing every ounce out of your business, it's actually making your business more nutritious and more wholesome for every client that you've got coming in, that's just going to help you take it into the next level. That's the important thing. And with you know, however many years that you've got, Andy, inside category management and the grocery sector, combined with mine, as well as the leadership development aspect to grow the business, this is the stuff that's going to move it forward and really uh, and make it even more robust for the future. Absolutely, yeah, agreed. I don't think there's any questions coming in. I'm just going to come out of full screen and stop sharing there. Uh, Andy, great session for me. We've hit half past one on the nose. Everyone, thanks very much for being here. Andy, thank you very much for your time today. Massive value. Look, the other parts I'm going to say, as always, I'm going to put, we're going to get the links up in the, in the chat box in just a second. We have got the coaching card. So the next thing for me is the coach talk to you all about is the coaching cards. Got the category management question. So this takes you through the seven stages of the funnel. These are the questions that Andy asked himself and yourself when working in these spaces. And it will help you to be able to get a clearer view on what it is you're doing inside your category and with your products. They're available on the website. The link is in the chat box right now. Click on there, go and get your copy now. It's five pound, huge value, and it's going to massively help what you're doing. The other thing, and I always forget to say this at the beginning, I'm going to put myself a post-it note next to the camera next time. If you have not registered for tomorrow's session, now is the time to do it. Second call to action from me to you. Get signed up for tomorrow's session. Make sure you're registered. Make sure you're getting a copy of that video as well. And the third thing, virtual classrooms. 
Now, if you're getting value out of these sessions and how they're helping you, and you know someone in your business that's going to benefit from this, if that's as in a account manager or one of the category management team, whatever it is, have a look at the virtual classrooms, have a conversation with the team, get uh, an appointment with Andy to talk about how we, MBM, Andy with his expertise can help you to grow your area of your, and diversify your business and get better results. Now is the time, click that link, have a conversation with Andy and we can help you do that. Maybe next time I'll spread that out over the whole session rather than all at the end, but you know. That sounds good, we got it, we got it. Every day to school day, right. Thanks very much everyone and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Appreciate it.